Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Another Thursday, another episode of Simply Sessions. Uh, I've got my uh, second tip, my my better tip uh, back on the show, fresh tipped from Pacific Bitcoin. Uh, and uh, Nico is going to come in and uh, fill us in on all the latest and greatest in Bitcoin. I got the tech updates for you coming down the pike here. Uh, of course, this is live. Anything can happen. Make sure uh, to take a look at my good friend here, Bill. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live. I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. Of course, if you have not already, smash that like button just below there. Do it now. It helps a ton. Please do. Uh, subscribe. All that good stuff. And uh, and keep those comments coming in the chat. We'll be bringing it up on the live screen here. Anyways, I am Ben with the BTC Sessions. This is your Simply Session. Huddle the Bitcoin. All right, before we dive into the news, let's take a look at where we are in the market right now. This is timechaincalendar.com. We're sitting at $26,751.54 per coin. A single US dollar will pick you up 3,738 sats. In terms of fees, next block, 22 sats per byte, anytime, six sats. And try not to be thrown off any transactions sub two sats per byte. They'll probably get purged from the mempool. In terms of Bitcoin mind, we're sitting at 19.51 million. That is 92.91% of the total supply. Uh, coming up on the halving pretty soon here in in, uh, in April. Uh, it's getting closer, 28,000 some odd blocks until the halving. So uh, yeah, keep an eye out. Shout out to sponsors of the show hodlehodl.com if you're buying bitcoin and you've got some priorities in mind like peer-to-peer -peer trading instant self-custody and no kyc well this is the place to be you can uh log in and sign up with nothing more than an email address uh as soon as you get in really simple choose a currency payment method and amount start browsing offers immediately stack in non-kyc sats they also have a lending platform in which nothing is ever rehypothecated check them out today links are down below of course, CoinKite. Uh, once you stack some sats, you're going to want to secure them with some of the best hardware on the market. CoinKite kills it. I love my cold card Mark IV. I've got all their other goodies, tap signers, sats cards, block clocks, open dimes, all of that. And, uh, and hey, have you reserved yours? The cold card Q1. Very excited. Also, they got this curious little guy here, the sats link. I also reserved one of those. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's just like an offset conscious cold card. But really... I'm not sure, but I bought it anyways. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> um, I'll let you know what it is when it gets here. Anyways, video's coming soon. Check out coinkite.com. Use code BTC Sessions for 5% off everything in the store. Backups, of course, are important. Once you get your hardware, you're going to want to back it up on solid steel. And one of the most robust and premium 
uh, uh, solid steel backups on the market is Cedar. Really simple disc and capsule enclosure. Uh, the starter set comes with everything you need, mallet, stamp your seed, all of it on the discs. And it comes with the enclosures. You can get multiple enclosures or order more discs if you need to switch out your seed. Uh, and the whole thing is beautifully designed. I love it. I did a video on it. Check them out. Links are all down below, depending on uh, the cheapest shipping for you. And uh, Nunchuck, of course, for your multi-sig needs, check them out for their Honey Badger program. You can set it up on your mobile device, tap signers, cold cards, any kind of hardware, your little hard desires. Uh, on top of that, once you're all set up with your multi-sig, it has built-in inheritance planning so that your sats get to your next of kin if anything should happen to you. Uh, and of course, no KYC. You don't have to sign up and uh, use your personal information to have this set up and working for you. So check them out. I have a tutorial on them as well. And last shout out of the day, of course, Start9, your sovereign computing solution. These guys offer plug and play uh, sovereign computing solutions. <laughs> you can run your full Bitcoin stack, Bitcoin Core, Lightning, Mempool.space, Join Market. Uh, also your data, files, passwords, photos, Nostra relays and clients, all that good stuff uh, they have from entry level all the way up to what is on my shelf right now, which is the Start9 server pure and absolute beast. So check them out, start9.com. And with that, I'm going to stop my rambling here and I'm going to bring in the co-host with the most the tip to my tip uh dude how you doing i mean i dude we we are so synchronized yeah. i i you know we were kind of losing synchronization for a little bit um and i i made tutorials this morning it felt really great it felt really awesome i i i couldn't agree more i feel i feel you in my brain now now that 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 it's fresh and it's uh, you know mrs sessions uh lisa did us a huge solid by uh freshening up your tip and we have a third tip now don't we we do have a third tip we it's a fish is it a movement it, uh, it's a movement now I, I think it's happening but uh uh hats off or tips off to nathan fast uh and now so what is it so we had simply sessions but now it's it's simply fast sessions <laughs> we got to do a trio show at some point once in a while with him uh, and then eventually there'll just be so many tips that it'll just be like a, a cacophony. Who, who's the next target? Who's the next target? Who's going to be the fourth tip? I don't know. It's got to be somebody that uh, is is obviously like quasi public that like they can't run from it. They they have to be in public with it where they're going to be seen. It can't be like oh I'm I'm offset conscious and nobody knows who I am. Right? It's got to be got to be vivid. I see Tatum in the chat. So <laughs> Tatum, Tatum, the hair dye. I'm coming to your house right now, right after this show. Right now, Tatum. Yeah. It's happening. <laughs> it's it's happening. It's oh, happening. wait, wait. I, I think we got a volunteer. I guess I could do my beard tip. Oh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, it's, oh, man. Soon, again, my OPSEC is going to be so good pretty soon. <laughs> I'll just blend right in with the crowd. Nobody will know even, I'm even there. It's going to be incredible. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> But yeah, it's a it's a movement. I'm I'm claiming I'm claiming uh I'm claiming that I'm a co-founder. All right, because I'm 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 number two. Yeah. All right. I'm co-founder in this movement. We can't we can't ignore this comment. Tips <laughs> are the new laser eyes. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. I appreciate that. That's a great comment. That yeah. that deserves to be framed. <laughs> I think so. Also, side note: well, after we got the tips all died, uh, we had Tip, like mm -hmm. like rapper Tip, come in and give. For thumbs up in approval 
Tip approved the tips. Yeah. And it would not be official if she didn't approve. Yeah. So it was very important that she was there and gave a thumbs up. Yeah, I'm glad. I need I need her on a pin um, so I can wear it. <laughs> Anyways, I guess we should probably talk about the news, given that's what this uh, this show is about. Yeah, maybe. Or we could just keep talking about tips. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah lots of lots of news lots yeah. of news uh lots of news that has happened um kind of setting the tone we have the great lynn alden uh pointing something out she said oh and give a little bit of context by the way so kevin mccarthy he was the speaker of the u.s house of representatives he got ousted this is the first time in american history you know, fiat is just throwing everything. The collapse of fiat is just throwing everything. Politics is a madhouse, whatever. And uh, he got ousted. And the intern speaker, so the speaker that hasn't officially been elected, but he's speaker until they kind of figure it out who the next speaker is going to be, is a gentleman called Patrick McHenry. Um, now, it's really interesting, as Lynn Alden pointed out, the acting speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives has been hosting the Bitcoin white paper on his subdomain of the House website for almost three years now. The government is not a monolith, especially in a republic. It is a mess of many different interests. Imagine telling Satoshi in 2009 that in a little over a decade, there would be leaders of the U.S. government hosting his white paper. Don't trust verify. Let's click on the link. And will you look at that? It is literally the Bitcoin white paper, and you guys can't see it, but it is be literally being hosted on a .gov website. Now, in, in terms of the U.S. presidential line of succession, God forbid anything happened to President Joe Biden, President, uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, the Speaker of the House is actually third in line for the U.S. presidency. And this dude is literally hosting the Bitcoin white paper. Um, there are some things that Coinbase does right. And they have like these uh, politician profile and they tell you whether uh, the politicians are pro uh, Bitcoin and shit coins or anti uh, Bitcoin and shit coins. Right. And this guy is extremely supportive. And the guy who actually has a chance at winning or becoming the next speaker, his, he is uh, he is Tom Emmer. And Tom Emmer uh, has been extremely pro-Bitcoin. Uh, he's actually the gentleman that uh, you and I, Ben, saw absolutely massacre Gary Gensler um, when we watched that video of him just getting grilled in a congressional committee. That was Tom Emmer. And Tom Emmer has a he has a pretty good shot at becoming the next speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives. And we know how he feels about Bitcoin. We know how he feels about uh, CBDCs. And if you kind of if you see this on its own, you'd be like, OK, Nico, maybe this is an offshoot. But you got to connect the dots between everything that's going on. So the current speaker of the house super pro bitcoin he's hosting the bitcoin white paper on his website but we also have a presidential candidate we've talked about this rfk jr he just dropped out from the democratic party he's running as an independent to run for president he spoke at the bitcoin 2023 conference says that if he got elected he would um protect the right to self-custody and he would also um he would also protect the right for you to run your own node and all that. So 
on the Democratic side and the independent side, and also on the uh, Republican side as well. You have Governor Ron DeSantis, who actually passed a bill in Florida that would ban CBDCs. If he got elected, he promised to ban CBDCs and to be pro-Bitcoin, right? So all of these things are kind of shifting. And if you look at it from the angle of the Overton window, which I think is really, really important to kind of kind of think about it from this sense. But first, we have to define what the Overton window is. The Overton window is the range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at any given time. It is known as the window of discourse, right? And here's a really good graphic for our audio listeners at the very top. It's unthinkable, radical, acceptable, sensible, popular policy, right? Obviously, we want to get here. In El Salvador, it's already policy in Argentina. It's basically already policy. They hate the central bank. Well, now the current U.S. Speaker of the House, the third most popular member of government, you can make the argument for that, is hosting the Bitcoin white paper. So where do you think in terms of the Overton window, where is the political discourse? I am pretty confident to say that the idea of Bitcoin is no longer radical. I would basically say it's around acceptable and sensible to be honest with you this isn't just happening in the u.s i know a lot i talk a lot about the u.s but we also have the conservative uh presidential or prime minister candidate in canada puvier polyvar i totally butchered his name sorry guys i'm not canadian i butchered that pronunciation uh he's super pro bitcoin and he's super anti-cbdc's so the point that i'm trying to make is that this is clearly things are clearly shifting in one direction. Yeah. Bitcoin is becoming acceptable, acceptable in political discourse. The idea of, of Bitcoin isn't radical. The idea of ending the central bank isn't radical. The idea of having a non-state currency is not radical anymore. And that is a massive deal. That is a big win for us Bitcoiners. And that is a huge defeat for governments because their main weapon is this idea that, hey, guys, without us, money can exist. It seems like people are no longer buying into that bullshit. Yeah, I want to the one thing I was going to say here, um, uh, this Tyler Durden in the uh, in the chat said Liz Warren is still a big hurdle. <laughs> um, I, I would venture to say that stances like Elizabeth Warren and uh, Brad Sherman and people that basically just want to outright ban Bitcoin, those views are becoming the radical views. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's on the fringe of being viewed as radical by your average person. Um, they're looking at it going like, I mean, come on, like we didn't do this to the internet. Like, I think people are starting to piece together like, okay, you know, Bitcoin exists and it's a thing, even if they don't care about it or they don't use it, I think a lot of people aren't, aren't kosher. They're not viewing it as kosher to just outright ban it. So I, I feel like they're soon to be on, on the fringe and like the, the radical line of thinking when they say they want to get rid of it as much as anybody saying that you should ban the internet would be viewed as a, as a crackpot. A hundred percent. I think it's going to be politically unviable. Uh, you know, in a couple of years, this this whole idea of of um, 
of, you know, Elizabeth Warren is running on an anti-Bitcoin stance. Like in five years, like she will get elected into office, you know, that's something that she could do right now. But, you know, as, as you know, the population ages and more of the, because we know how, how much, uh, you know, we know that the, the younger population holds a tremendous amount of their assets in Bitcoin. Oh, Opti's ex-girlfriend's in the chat. Um, I'm, I'm going to ban Bitcoin. Um, so, so yeah, man. So yeah, Elizabeth Warren dinosaur, the, the Bitcoin meteor is looking at it and she's like, ah, I'm going to make that meteor go away. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's not, not, not happening. Not happening. <laughs> I completely agree. All right. In other news, uh, we got two videos back to back. Um, again, I'm going to talk about it in terms of the Overton window. Uh, it is shifting ever so slowly, but it is shifting. Uh, we have the most popular broadcaster in the world, 11 million views and listens per episode. We have the man, the myth, the legend himself, Joe Rogan. And uh, let's take a look at what he had to say about Bitcoin on one of the latest episodes of the Joe Rogan experience. I mean, the, the real fascinating crypto is Bitcoin. To me, I mean, that's the one that I think has the most likely possibility of becoming uh, a universal viable currency. And it's, you know, it's limited in the amount that there can be. It's, you know, you... you people mine it with their own computer it's like that to me is very fascinating yeah. and i love the fact that it's been implemented and that at least some like i've had uh andreas antonopoulos on the podcast and he's when he talks about it he's living it he's spending all of his money everything he That's has cool. paid is in bitcoin he pays his rent in bitcoin everything he does is in bitcoin i, I mean so, i mean dude like yeah when are you going to bring BTZ sessions on the show, Mr. <laughs> Joe Rogan? I think we need like a we need like a booth or a sailor or a uh, somebody somebody who can slam out some talking points uh, very succinctly in a in a short conversation. I like that. <laughs> but I, I I love what you're saying, and and this is a different Overton window that's shifting. Hey, it's mm-hmm. it's the Overton window of of Bitcoin versus crypto and the people that are already in tune with the idea that fiat is bad, the Overton window for a lot of notable individuals is now shifting to right over top of Bitcoin instead of having all of these shit coins in their purview saying like, oh, they're all the same. Um, that That is definitely shifting as well. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's It's shifting ever so slowly the you know bitcoin ethos is slowly starting to penetrate into a mainstream uh, mainstream consciousness you have joe rogan saying what fidelity actually said we're going to get to that in a minute basically like bitcoin's not crypto like bitcoin is special bitcoin is unique uh yeah how long until he has someone like sailor on the show i it, it, it is quite perplexing it's something that we've talked about on simply sessions before like what is joe rogan waiting for those episodes that he did with andreas antonopoulos those are from like 2016 2017 they're very old you know mm-hmm. i think it's time i think it's time to be honest um in other news also pretty crazy uh shout out to uh peter mccormack and what Bitcoin did. Great podcast. Peter's a great dude. And uh, look at, take a look at this. Documenting Bitcoin got a clip of uh, basically a former top Facebook exec 
quote saying, Mark, Mark Zuckerberg is a Bitcoiner. Let's check it out. You can theorize a lot about um, the experience we've had, but having lived it uh, has changed my worldview and my appreciation in such a way that now I have this unshakable conviction that Bitcoin is the only form of neutral internet money there will ever be. And, uh, and it's one thing saying it because you have laser shooting from your eyes. Uh, it's another uh, coming to that conclusion after having tried for the right reasons, I, I believe for the right reasons, to build uh, a technology that would scale to billions of people and that could provide a stable form of digital money that would travel on this new scalable payment system. Uh, and then you've come to the real, you come to the realization that actually private companies issuing un a new unit of account of anything that has that kind of distribution uh, is problematic. You might not want to answer this, but is uh, is Zuck a uh, is he a Bitcoiner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He appreciates uh, he appreciates Bitcoin, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think you know there there, there was uh, there were, we had a lot of conversations about this. Yeah, uh, especially when I was struggling with seeing how we could decentralize this thing enough. Uh, we've had a lot of conversations, and uh, and the tension was between full decentralization and um, and the reality of scalability, usability issues, and then the volatility that we would have to put people through um, to enable them to use a, a product. So it was, uh, and, and then, you know, when you look at very good currencies like the dollar, and some will argue it's not, et cetera, but I think, you know, everyone in the world think, you know, we talked about your trip to Lebanon and yep. other places where people, what they want is to hold dollars. Yep. Um, and, and when you have a good currency like the dollar, the volatility or the lack of volatility required for you to create a digital asset that can match it is uh, is very, very, very small. So, so much shit to unpack there, but he basically said that the CEO and founder of Facebook, now called Meta, um, it is a Bitcoiner. And before that, he talked about uh, how he came to this conclusion. And the reason that he came to this conclusion is because Facebook Meta launched their own type of cryptocurrency called DM. It, before it was called Libra. And the problem is that it generated a tremendous amount of backlash from government regulators in the European Union, in the USA, and, and, and in other countries. And it was ultimately shut down in January 2022. Now, why did he say that having this experience with Debra and uh, DM and Libra made him realize the importance of something decentralized. If it's issued by a central authority, it will be either co-opted or shut down, right? PayPal tried to do the same thing back in the 90s and it got shut down, right? So that's why I believe that Elon Musk, if he wants to do this whole x.com thing, and I know he's like riding on a high right now and he's like on his, you know, on his, on his horse and he just thinks he's untouchable. If he really wants to roll out a payment platform, he has no choice but to use Bitcoin. If he doesn't use Bitcoin, it will inevitably get co-opted and it will get shut down. And that's why David Marcus said what he said. And that's why he said what he said about Mark Zuckerberg, because Mark Zuckerberg realized, holy cow, Unless we use something that is completely decentralized, we can't do this. We can't we can't launch this this payment platform and you know give uh, give uh, give the world access to the global economy. We can't do that 
Because if we go through governments, if we go through regulation, they will shut it down. They don't want competition. They have a monopoly, right? With Bitcoin, it's a forcing function because it forces it down their throats. They can't do anything about it. Therefore, they're forced to compete with it. And we all know who's going to win that competition, which is why they hate it the way they do, right? So anyways, really interesting. It's It sounds like in order to, I mean, in, for pe people in those positions of power, you know, the, the ones that launch a shit coin to make fiat gains just get angry at the system in terms of like, oh, they're clamping down on everything. And they almost have this knee jerk reaction of like, oh, it's going to it's going to happen to you, too. And you, too. And Bitcoin's not exempt and everything because they're they're incentivized to think that way. But it sounds like when when you try to altruistically launch a shit coin um, to give people greater functionality and cross-border, whatever you're trying to do, and it still gets stamped out, that's that's that instant realization of like, oh wow, this is why this is why Bitcoin was important. Like I I tried to do, and who knows, like maybe there were ulterior motives with Zuckerberg and Marcus, but like from what he's saying there, he felt like they were trying to do something good and simply just wanted to offer the ability to not be um, not be confined by a singular currency or government and transact globally very, very simply. And he quickly fucked around and found out that, yeah, Uncle Sam, European Union, everybody, they're not going to put up with that shit. And if there's somebody to clamp down upon, they will. And they did. And so he had like, it seems like he may have been penetrated by the orange pill. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, all roads lead to Bitcoin. Some people have to hit themselves, uh, you know, metaphorically against the wall a little bit harder than others to kind of reach the conclusion that, OK, you know, I, I no one could own this thing. You mm -hmm. know, it's, it's like, you know, you, you need a little bit of humility to mm -hmm. truly understand Bitcoin, because if you don't have that humility, you know, if you're this all powerful government or this billionaire, you have this like, I'm here, I'm here, I'm super smart, I'm here to fix Bitcoin, I can make Bitcoin better. But history has shown, Bitcoin's history has shown how much of a clusterfuck that has been for Roger Ver, for Jihan, you know, for Jihan. Yeah. They've, they've just absolutely, they have significantly less Bitcoin than they had before mm -hmm. if they just would have stayed humble and stack sats, you yeah. know? So, um, so yeah, just very, very interesting. Um, I think this is just wins overall. Bitcoin can't stop winning. Um, in other news, this is pretty crazy. Uh, this is some news that came out about, you know, when we were in Cali, but, uh, the U S government frames Bitcoin privacy as criminal. What are they talking about? In another unfortunate turn of events for anyone hoping their right to privacy to be protected as guaranteed by the U.S. Constitution, the U.N. Declaration of Human Rights, or other applicable law and federal law, the U.S. government has argued that the disclosure of proprietary chain analysis heuristics information in the case U.S. v. Sterling Gov would jeopardize numerous law enforcement investigations and impact the effectiveness of law enforcement tracking tools by enabling the development of, quote, criminal countermeasures to blockchain analysis. The oath each and every U.S. government employee pledges when first taking uh, the office reads, I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion 
and that I, w- that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office in which I am about to enter, so help me God. Apparently, this oath is only applicable so long as it serves the U.S. government's agenda. While attempting to retain a protective order to seal the disclosure of chain analysis heuristic information, the U.S. government has, in essence, argued that the right to privacy does not exist when transacting on a blockchain. In the newly released court documents, the U.S. government defines software developed to protect individual financial privacy on the blockchain, such as coin joins, as adversarial contending that the disclosure of chain analysis training methods and techniques bears the reasonable expectation to enable, quote, circumvention of the law. This is completely against the Fourth Amendment, which says that uh, the government is not allowed to do any unreasonable searches and seizures. Uh, This is not uh, innocent until proven guilty. This is you are guilty because you are seeking privacy, Um, which is absolutely crazy. This should not come as a surprise to you for anyone who's tuned into Simply Sessions because we have read this passage from this book, The Sovereign Individual, millions of freaking times because it hit the nail on the head so many, so many times. And I think it's completely applicable to this latest news. Um, it goes on to say, this is a book from the quote, the, uh, the, the, the sovereign individual and says lacking their accustomed scope to tax and inflate governments, even in traditionally civil countries will turn nasty. Businesses that offer services that facilitate the realization of autonomy by individuals will be subject to infiltration, sabotage, and disruption. Arbitrary forfeiture of property, already commonplace in the United States, where it occurs 5,000 times a week, will become even more pervasive. Governments will violate human rights, censor the free flow of information, sabotage useful technologies, and worse. This is the separation of money and state after all, and the state sure is getting desperate. And I love that part in that article where it said that even though government employees, they swear an oath to the Constitution, really what they are actually loyal to is the government. They're loyal to the money printer. Right. They they're loyal. That's where their loyalty lies. It doesn't lie to the Constitution. If it doesn't lie to the if their loyalty doesn't lie to the Constitution, that means that their loyalty does not lie to we the people. Mm -hmm. Right. It lies to the administrative state. Some people call it the deep state. Right. Um, So anyways, what's your take, Ben? So the wild thing to me about this one is they've effectively said. I mean, first of all, they're trying to put somebody in jail. And they're trying to use chain analysis um, as evidence that this individual has committed a crime. The defense has said, okay, show us how you came to your conclusion with the metrics that you used on chain to determine that a crime was committed by this individual, to which they've effectively gone, we can't share that information with you because if we do, then people will learn from that and then be able to subvert our systems. The thing about that is when they're when they're saying that they're effectively admitting that it's currently possible on chain to do regular Bitcoin transactions that can take their assumptions about who has done what and who owns what coins. There are actions that you can take on chain right now that actually make their assumptions incorrect in many cases. What they're saying is that. Hey, if we show how do we came to this conclusion, 
people will be able to structure transactions in a way that make our conclusions, um, you know, happenstance or, or, or not conclusive at best. But that means that you can currently execute transactions that way, right? Because nothing, nothing is changing with the, the consensus rules of Bitcoin. You can already transact in a variety of different ways. So it is fully possible that the way that they've decided this individual, uh, that they've pinned uh, a crime on this individual can be interpreted multiple ways because they're saying that if they show how they interpreted it, people can do transactions in a way that can be interpreted differently. And so is that not an admission in and of itself that the, that the, the software doesn't work? If they're saying this, that simply showing how they came to their conclusions means people will be able to go around their conclusions without any changes to Bitcoin. Yep. Exactly. Like, we can't tell you why we're putting you in jail because if we do, other people will, will be able to avoid jail. Like trust us. basically is what they're saying. That's literally what they're saying. It's like, you know, like don't trust. It's the exact opposite of don't trust verify. It's like, yeah. no, tr trust us. We have your best. It, it always goes back to the same attitude that governments have, which is like, this is for your own benefit, citizen. And yeah. then it's like, how so? Yeah. Shut shut up. <laughs> it is. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. And it's even worse because they're, it's not like they're using these tools altruistically just to catch people that are committing crimes. Chainalysis is a company that sells their services to the US government and to other uh, to other companies saying, hey, we can decisively, you know, track people and make sure that we can catch people that are committing crimes and get a good picture of what's happening on the network. There's they're they're incentivized to say that their shit works and to not let people see how it works. And if it is broken, they're directly incentivized to hide that fact, which they seem to be doing. Um, and so like all of the incentives are super fucked up right here. And all it's going to take is, is basically shining a light on it saying, Hey, your conclusions are not as conclusive as once thought and can be interpreted multiple ways, which if something is beyond a shadow of a doubt, then of course, then we deem the person guilty. But if there is doubt and there is doubt, with on-chain analysis, you can't convict on that. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Ben. It's it's really all we have to do is continue shining light on this. That's all we have to do. And then everything else will take care of itself. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, this is uh you know, this is what it's about. I, I think these these institutions, whether it's governments, you know, these uh, you know, whether it's these news corporations. The internet just completely, you know, short circuit. They don't know what to do. They've just been so used to having this monopoly on money, this monopoly on information um, that it's like all of a sudden when they're on a level playing field with everyone else and the government actually has to compete with them with other with uh, with with money when these legacy corporate media institutions have to compete with uh with the internet their their knee-jerk reaction is like no i'm too good for that just ban everything like bro what's happening in canada is insane man yeah 
Yeah, the, the, you can't visit Instagram. You can't visit certain news sites on Instagram now. Yeah. Did I show you like when I was down there? Did I show you actual Instagram where it just says Canadian citizens can't view this? That's so crazy. No, I mean I've seen the pictures, but I can't believe it. I can't yeah, believe it, that in a country like Canada that would happen. Even while I was down there, like even though I was now in a different different IP address, a different locale, it was like still no. Oh, we found out you're Canadian. No news for you. That's so crazy. And then it's of course it's it's government approved news. Oh, you can you can have that. Like yeah. it's so it, it it's like that's like North Korea, dude. It's so crazy. I could never have imagined. It's a little wild. A little <laughs> wild. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, and everybody up here is just asleep over it. They're like, "Huh, can't see news anymore on social media." Yeah, dude. Anyways, you catch the game the other night? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that meme. Literal meme. I'm it's living the meme, meme here. Oh man! Crazy. Yeah. Oh man! Well, uh, well, we always have El Salvador, Ben. We yes. always have El Salvador yes. to fall. BTC sessiones. Yeah. Simplemente Bitcoin. BTC sessiones, bro. All right, we gotta do it. All right. Um. Okay. So other news. I think this is the really, really big news of today. Uh, Fidelity Digital Assets. This is Michael Saylor, by the way. It's a big deal that Michael Saylor says this because Michael Saylor is the figurehead of the of the strategy of using Bitcoin as an alternative to fiat currencies, holding Bitcoin on a public company's balance sheet. And he has that experiment has worked uh, and he's the figurehead of this movement. So when he tweets this report by Fidelity Digital Assets, that explains why Bitcoin is a unique and superior form of money that investors should consider first and separate from all other digital assets. It's a big freaking deal. And if you actually take a look at this report, um, and we'll talk about why it's so consequential, who Fidelity is in a second. Um, it says Bitcoin first revisited why investors need to consider Bitcoin separately from other digital assets. So that's not BTC sessions or simply Bitcoin saying that, that is Fidelity. Fidelity has $4.5 trillion assets under management. The company has been around since 1946, and it has a yearly revenue in 2001 reported of $24 billion. So these guys do not fuck around. These guys are serious. These guys are the real deal. That's why Michael Saylor retweeted that. So when they write a report, Bitcoin not crypto, it's a really, really big deal. Now, they were kind enough to write a short little summary, but you guys could check out the full report, check out Sailor's tweet, um, and I'll just read some of the highlights from the summary. It says, once investors have decided to invest in digital assets, the next question becomes, which one? Of course, Bitcoin is the most recognized first ever digital asset, but there are hundreds, even thousands of other digital assets in the ecosystem. One of the first concerns investors have regarding Bitcoin is, as the first digital asset, it may be vulnerable to innovative destruction from competitors, such as the story of MySpace and Facebook. Another common consideration surrounding Bitcoin is whether it offers the same potential reward or upside as some of the newer and smaller digital assets that have emerged. In this paper, we propose one, Bitcoin is best understood as a monetary good, and one of the primary investment theses for Bitcoin is as, the, is as the store of value asset in an increasingly digital world. 
Number two, Bitcoin is fundamentally different from any other digital asset. No other digital asset is likely to improve upon Bitcoin as a monetary good because Bitcoin is the most relative to other digital assets, secure, decentralized, sound digital money, and any improvement will potentially face trade-offs. This isn't Bitcoiners saying this. This is Fidelity saying this. That's a big effing deal. There, number three, there is not necessarily mutual, mutual exclusivity between the success of the Bitcoin network and all other digital asset networks. Rather, the rest of the digital asset ecosystem can fulfill different needs or solve other problems that Bitcoin simply does not. Number four, other non-Bitcoin projects should be evaluated from a different perspective than Bitcoin. Number five, Bitcoin should be considered an entry point for traditional allocators looking to gain exposure to digital asset. And number six, and I think this is the most telling, investors should hold two distinct, distinctively separate frameworks for considering investment in the digital asset ecosystem. The first framework examines the inclusion of Bitcoin as an emerging, emerging monetary good. And the second considers the addition of other digital assets that exhibit venture capital-like properties, right? That is extremely telling this last line, right? It's basically saying it's a very, very nice and sophistic, sophisticated way of saying pump and dump. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, this is a this is a big deal, dude. This is a really, really big deal that you know a company as large as Fidelity is releasing reports like this. I think it's safe to say, Ben, that the institutions are here. I think yeah. it's undeniable at this point. And, and calling back to the earlier uh, mentions that we were talking about with Rogan and, and with David Marcus, that Overton window of, of Bitcoin, not crypto, has, you know, very decisively shifted with things like this. There's there's people in all walks of life that come to Bitcoin. Um, and, you know, a lot of them start with crypto and then settle on Bitcoin. And we're seeing that on a scale with very visible people and companies and institutions that we have not seen previously. And it's, it's exciting to see because we get to watch everybody's learning trajectory in real time. Um, and we all, you know, we all did it. We all did it. And so like, I, you know, sometimes I feel a little bit bad when somebody has to publicly go through their learning curve because, you know, Bitcoiners can be an abrasive bunch as we try to educate. Uh, but, um, you know, people are, are getting it and people are getting to a place where they're going, oh, wow, this is completely different than everything else. And again, I'll, I'll go back to the the quote um, that uh, I've heard and said many times. Uh, fiat is the elites can print money. Crypto is everyone can print money. Bitcoin is no one can print money. Wow. Beautifully said a uh, hundred. Uh, you dude, you hit the nail on the head, right? It's Bitcoin levels. The uh, Bitcoin levels the playing field. It makes people like sailor, like equal to the pleb. No one has the ability to create money for free that someone else has to work for. Anyways, guys, this was absolutely awesome. Ben, thanks for having me. Like always, I will see you next week, guys. This was your Simply Sessions. That's my favorite part of the show. <laughs> Later, man. Thanks a bunch. Yep. Take care. Thanks, Ben. All right, everybody. Uh, a few more things before we wrap up. I got to throw out your tech updates so you know what's going on. Uh, and again, thanks to Nico for 
uh, bringing us the best in the news. Go subscribe to Simply Bitcoin if you haven't already. What are you doing? What are you doing? Uh, okay, I got to. Uh, we got to uh, get this tweet in, even though it's not a tech update. We got it. We got to. Uh, Paul Krugman is out there being busy and uh, ensuring that his Nobel Prize is nothing more than a fancy paperweight. Because holy shit, this tweet. <laughs> he tweets out, "The war on inflation is over. We won at very little cost." And he shows a chart of inflation. And in the chart, it says that it excludes food, energy, shelter, and used cars. So, I mean, if you don't need to eat, travel, or live indoors, then you must be absolutely elated that we have won against inflation at very little cost. Congratulations, Paul. Tweet of the day, dumbest fucking thing I've seen in a week. Um, good for you. Anyways, let's get into the tech, the tech updates. Uh, okay. Uh, Cold card, Mark IV, version 5.2.0, Seed Vault. What the hell is Seed Vault? Um, Seed Vault, this is actually pretty super interesting. Uh, Seed Vault enables storage of multiple secrets into the cold card's encrypted settings for easy recall and later use. They are encrypted with a key based on your seed but not themselves stored in the secure elements. Enable this functionality through the following menus, and it says it here on the screen, uh, but it says uh, it is not enabled by default and it is a feature best suited to experimenters and advanced users with complex key management needs. Uh, this might apply actually to some people that are using Byzantine. I'd have to look in, into it a little bit more, but uh, very interesting. I, there will be a video coming, but let's let's touch on what it is again. Once enabled, you can easily recall the stored seeds using a new main menu item, which is called Seed Vault, which appears when enabled. Uh, the fingerprint and origin of each key is shown there, and activating takes only a single click. You can also edit the name for each key. So basically what it's saying is you have your main key, your main seed phrase on the secure element. You then use uh, the information on the secure element to basically uh, create and, and, uh, and derive new seeds that are used uh, decrypted with some of the stuff that is on the secure element. Those keys can then be labeled and accessed with single clicks once you've logged in to your cold card. So you can basically jump on, it sounds like, and say, okay, go to go to Seed Vault, and I'm going to go to Seed Vault number one, and that will be for a specific use, and you'll be able to, to call up that information and utilize it for whatever. So if you've got perhaps... Um, your uncle Jimming for family members, or um, maybe you're like an advisor and you have like a multi-sig service and you're a, a single key holder for different people. You can say client number one, there's their seed that is part of a multi-sig, but it's all done from a master cold card. Um, so yeah, uh, pretty awesome. I'm kind of interested to play with it. You can also use it for things like uh, dice rolls and seed XOR and tap signer recoveries and duress wallets and BIP85, all kinds of different things. I'm going to have to dive into this because like I'm trying to understand and practice how this is going to work um, and like the, the practicality differences between those other, you know, features that I just mentioned. It seems like it just kind of streamlines everything that you could do before, but uh, that's super awesome. Anyways, uh, kudos. I will be touching on that soon and another tutorial to do. <laughs> Speaking of more tutorials to do, uh, Trezor announced a new hardware wallet. It is the Safe3 signing device. Um, and so 
what's different with this versus the old model of Trezor? Uh, well, one of the interesting things about it is that they've incorporated a secure element. And this is something that Trezor used to get a lot of shit for because their, their hardware didn't have a secure element in it, um, unlike things like Ledger and Cold Card and you know Passport and a lot of other options that do house a secure element, which actually keeps your keys uh, safe from somebody physically attacking the device. Um, they famously said that you didn't necessarily need to have a secure element on your device and then said that they were going to roll their own secure elements and do their own encryption and all that. Um, we haven't heard much about that. And, and now it seems that they've gone with a third party vendor for their secure element. Um, so that's interesting. I, again, a lot they're I think they're catching some shit for this, for like kind of backtracking and waffling on what they previously said. But I also do want to recognize that like, I mean, okay, if this is more secure then. I mean, I can't shit on them too much. Yes, people, you know, maybe maybe their previous statements they now recognize as as mistakes, and and they prefer going with the secure element instead, which means perhaps they've they've grown in terms of how they interpret things. Um, now, the other thing that they they said about this new device is that they have a Bitcoin only native version that they're shipping. But curiously, they said that they are only shipping two thousand and thirteen units. Uh, it says available for now of the uh, Bitcoin only edition. Anyways, I've ordered the Bitcoin only edition because I do want to do a review and video on it and kind of cover what what they've got in front of us here. Um, so hopefully it's it's a pleasant experience and hopefully it's good. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'll let you know and I'll drop a video once it arrives. Uh, okay, moving on. Blockstream Greenlight is now open for business. Greenlight is their scalable non-custodial lightning as a service or LAAS solution that offloads the complexities of operating a lightning node to Blockstream experts while keeping keys in the user's control for greater security. So basically, this is a plug and play um open standard that uh, any developer can utilize in mobile lightning apps. So you may see a lot of different lightning apps start to utilize this backend and be able to provide uh, fully non-custodial lightning experiences that are automated in the background and simple to use. I think this is great. And I think that th we're going to start seeing these standards kind of proliferate so that people can self-custody lightning without having to make compromises and I think it's fucking awesome. So again, kudos Blockstream on that one. Uh, BitVM, compute anything on Bitcoin. Now this one's a little bit technical. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go too deep into it, but basically uh, rather than executing computations of Bitcoin, um, they are merely verified similarly uh, to optimistic rollups. This basically means you can compute anything and use Bitcoin to verify it. So the computation, like all kinds of smart contracts, crazy crap that you maybe want to do, uh, you can do that external to Bitcoin and then use with very little data fingerprint data on Bitcoin to verify that the computation you've done is valid. Um, so very interesting. We'll see how it develops early days. Uh, I, I don't want to speculate too much, but hey, we shall see. Uh, Hoster, decentralized web hosting solution on Noster. Basically, it's a um, the ability to, uh, it's an open protocol that enables, enables global decentralized censorship resistant social media. It provides free anti-censorship and fault tolerant web hosting using relays that can be set up by anyone. So think decentralized websites that nobody can fuck with. That's pretty cool. And in that same vein, 
uh, we have Hoster. We now also have um, Shopster, which is a decentralized classified marketplace that uses Lightning and Cashew, and it does it over Noster as well. So you can buy and sell items on a marketplace that cannot be shut down and is truly decentralized. Super awesome to see these developments popping up on Noster and of course, Bitcoiners rallying around them. A uh, couple last things here. I just dropped a tutorial, I suppose a tutorial on Time Chain Calendar. I always use it off the top of uh, my live shows, but there's so much more than the data that I cover on the top of the show. So please check it out. TC has made an incredible tool here and it's well worth you diving in and truly appreciating everything that's at your fingertips in a single screen. So go check out that tutorial if you get a chance this week. And finally, why are we bullish tomorrow? We've got... Uh, Julian Figuera, uh, which is all, who is also known as uh, Kinetic Finance. We've got Aladdin from BTC Trading Cards, and we've got Zach Guignard. I hope I didn't screw up his last name. Anyways, awesome guys. They're going to be on the show tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern time. Make sure you do not miss it. And then finally, before I wrap up here, I just want to say a quick shout out to everybody at Pacific that I just got to see down in LA. There's a picture of myself, Nico and Nathan with the tip seal of approval. Uh, again, lots of awesome stuff that happened down there. We did a beach workout one morning as well. Um, and, and it was just a good and fun time all around. Uh, if I saw you down there, it was great to come across so many awesome Bitcoiners at a single event. And I had a lot of fun. So thank you all. And with that, I'm going to wrap it up. Thank you guys so much for watching. As always, please do smash that like button down below. Very, very important. That always helps a ton. Uh, if you want to help the show in another way, uh, you can always hit up the previously mentioned sponsors in the show notes, or you can head over to my website, btcsessions.ca, and that's where you can book one-on-one -on -one sessions for me if you need any hand-holding and help on your Bitcoin journey. With that, I am out. Have yourselves a wonderful day or evening. I'll see you guys next time for your daily session. Hold the Bitcoin.